0: Good morning. It is so nice to see all of you guys. I just want to say I love you. Some of you I've known forever, and it's just so wonderful to see you. And I just want to say how precious and special you two are. You guys are very close to our hearts, and we're very proud of you two so much. But I wanted to give a little testimony. I obviously know what Keith is going to talk about. And I wanted to just share that he and I both grew up... In poverty, pretty much. Him worse than me, lived in the projects, had basically nothing. We lived in constant lack. And because of the principles that he's going to talk to you about today, we have been able to raise eight children. We now are about to have 18 grandchildren. And God has enabled us to do everything that we've needed to do, everything we've been called to do in our lives We've gone from having nothing, no ability to really to do much of anything, to being able to do whatever God says. And it's because of committing our lives from the time we were married, and we had actually been doing it before then, to following these principles, God has opened up incredible doors. So I just want to encourage you to just be brave, be courageous, move forward, do whatever you need to do to walk these things out in your life.
1: amen well good morning. good morning good to see y'all uh i'm available for barbecues tomorrow if anybody <laughs> no i'm not well it depends on what depends on what's on the menu penny Hallelujah. <laughs> well good morning uh we're gonna jump just jump into the word and i echo what penny said you know we love you guys and of course pastor nick and rachel and so many folks here i'm going to talk about some of the folks that are here today and uh because i want to talk about our core culture as a church and uh you know why we're sitting here today but let's go to malachi the third chapter if you're italian you're free to call it malachi that's acceptable Uh, There was an Italian band in the New Testament, right? According to uh, 1 Corinthians 10, Cornelius and the Italian band. And uh, so there had to be some Italians in the Old Testament too, right? Amen. So Malachi, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and put me to the test. This is the only time in the Bible that we are permitted and invited to test God. So this is a big subject okay? Test me now, says the Lord of armies, if I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor will the vine in the field prove fruitless to you, says the Lord of armies. All the nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of armies. So, a little bit later in the message, I'm going to come back and I'm going to go through these verses one by one and and help walk them out so that we can grab these because these are very critical. I believe it's very important to talk about money in church. One of the reasons is because Jesus talked about money a lot, if you read the New Testament. Think about the parables. Just somebody name me one parable, any parable. The lost coin, Okay well, what's that about? It's about the value of money, okay? Every parable Jesus taught has to do with the right and wrong uses, the stewardship of resources that are brought into our life. Uh, I like to say it this way. This would be point number one, I guess. Everybody, everywhere, every day, everybody, everywhere, every day thinks about money. Rich people, poor people, people that are struggling, people that aren't struggling. We're making value judgments every day about money. So I would say that since we have a creator that knows us and lovingly cares for us and wants us to be blessed, Jesus said he came that we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. He was not talking about heaven, okay? Let's get that clear. He was talking about this life now. God is not opposed to you having things. He's opposed to things having you though. Okay, let's be real clear about that. So let's listen to what God says. I like to say it this way. Now, this is my opinion, okay? But I think it's a sanctified opinion. I believe how people relate to sex and money will have more to do with their long term fruitfulness and happiness than their education their family background, their vocation, and how much money they make. Why do I believe that? 45 years of serving God and pastoring people, that's an observation I've made. And God has very clear not opinions, but standards and commands in both areas. God is exact on things. So he hasn't left us to our own devices and say, "You know what? Just just figure it out. You know whatever works for you, just go ahead and do it." That's not how it works. Okay, we call him Lord for a reason because he is, and if he's Lord, we should obey what he says to obey. Okay. And, unless you're smarter than him, any anybody here fit that? No, okay, I didn't, I didn't think so. Okay, so let's let's really understand that. Let's be real clear. Money is spiritual. Okay, look at first First Timothy six ten. You've probably heard this verse quoted. It's quoted out of context a lot. But nonetheless, he says, for the love of money, not money, but the love of money. If you stack this room full of money, it would never do any harm. You add one greedy heart to it, it can be a catastrophe. You could have two two pennies in a cup and it won't do any harm. You add one greedy heart to it, it can do some harm. So it's the love of money, loving something more than it can love you back okay? The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Think of the things that our world is suffering and people suffer because money is more important. And a lot of times believers don't realize that they're suffering in their own walk with God because they've made money more important than their obedience to God. And listen how descriptive this, and some by longing for it, by longing for it. You know one of the greatest lies about money? When when I was pastor and we taught a class called the Get Out of Debt Club, and it was fun. Over the years, we had such supernatural testimonies of how people just lined up with the Word of God, and and the, the Lord would open the windows of blessing. But long, you know what the number one lie is? If I just had more money. Listen, more money can be useful, Okay. But usually, it's not the answer to all life woes. And the whole culture testifies that. We see people that have more money than they know how to spend, and their life is a catastrophe and they're unhappy, right? Okay, so money is not the answer. Money is a tool, not a goal. Say that. Say it's a tool. It's a tool. Not a goal. So when there's money in your pocket, it is a tool. It's not a. I don't get want money for the sake of having money. That's false security. I want money so I can say, okay, God, that's a tool that's in my toolbox. What redemptive thing am I going to do with that money? And some by longing for it. That's what I need. That's what I want. That's what I'm going to hold on to. They have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves. God didn't do it. They have pierced themselves with many griefs. I think the King James says many sorrows, okay? So these are very serious things. Then Jesus comes along, and and he adds some color commentary to it. Jesus in Matthew 6 and 19 says this. Do not store. Now, do not. Does, Does that sound like a command? Do not. Like what part of do not? Don't you understand? Do not do this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break into steel. Jesus, uh, he wasn't trying to do this, I don't think, but, you know, this is what we call the second law of thermodynamics. Things that are complicated break down into simple forms. Things that are in simple forms don't evolve into complicated things, right? If you park your Chevy in the garage and go back five years from now, it's not going to be a Jaguar. It's going to be a rusted Chevy. Okay. If you put some frozen hamburger in, in your uh, you know in your freezer last year or last month, when you open it up, it's not going to be a T-bone. Okay, I'm just I'm just helping you here. All right. And uh there, there are there are laws that are in the universe that Malachi is talking about here. And he's saying that if that there is a we live in a natural state of deterioration. You understand that? Things like I'm getting old. It's it's shocking to me, but like I was out working yesterday in the yard for quite a while, and uh, I had to take a break. A few years ago, I wouldn't have had to take a break. I could the old boy could just press through, but the old boy can't do it like he used to do it anymore. You know, and that's that's reality therapy. You know, I'm I'm having to deal with it. Okay, so you know you can have a nice brick home, but at some point you're going to have to put mortar between the the, the, the that mortar is actually going to like wear out. Where does it go? What what happens to it? What ha- Do you ever ask this question, like, when you put gravel, how many people have gravel in your driveway? Where does that gravel go? Like, does somebody come at night and take it? Like, what happens to that gravel, you know? Somebody ought to, like, have a big study on this. Where does that stuff go to? There's a deterioration, okay? The limestone actually melts away, and on and on we could go, talk about this, but, but when you put things on earth, they are subject to deterioration. But he says, but do this, but store up for your strolls treasures in heaven where neither a moth nor rust destroys, where the elements cannot get to them and where thieves cannot break and in, in steal. And then he says this powerful statement, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, is where your heart is gonna be. Notice it doesn't say where your heart is, your treasure is. It says where your treasure is, your heart is. What does that mean? That means when you're walking with God, I'm I'm gonna tell you something's gonna happen in your life if you really wanna serve Jesus, okay? This is not a prophetic word. This is just a word from the Bible, all right? Here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna say, oh God, I wanna serve you more. I wanna be more dedicated. I wanna be a better witness. And Lord says, I see that hand, (laughs) And you know what he does? He starts messing with your treasure. Because you know what? Your treasure is not your treasure. That's the second lie. It's mine, and I get to decide what to do with it. It's interesting that when he talks about the tithe in Malachi 3, he doesn't say to give the tithe. He says to bring the tithe, because it's not yours to give. It already belongs to him. See, we can talk about my life belongs to God. See, when you say to God, my life belongs to you, He takes that really serious. He said, okay, that's the door I've been waiting for. That's the invitation I've been waiting for. That means everything in there, the good, the bad, and the ugly, everything is his. If you want God to mess with the bad and ugly, that means he's going to mess with the good too. Your treasure is not only not off bounds to God, it's in the center of his bullseye of how he wants to deal with your life. You got to understand it. So God is going to mess with your treasure. In that book, I tell the story because it was such a profound thing. I was away in Philadelphia area. I was preaching at a church there. And uh, there had been a big catastrophe in, ha- in Haiti. We, had, we, we worked with a, a, a large church there that had a big compound, a big missionary sending center. And they were literally underwater. And they were powered by generators. There was no electricity. Everything was underwater. I mean, it was nor- worse than normal. So I'm on the phone Saturday night trying to call pastors. That's the worst time in the world to try to call a pastor. You know, when a pastor gets a call on Saturday night, it's usually not good news. You know what I mean? So I'm calling everybody I know. I'm calling Pastor Rick. I'm calling everybody I know. Listen, one of our brothers is in trouble. You know, we're covenant, you know. So we're gonna we're gonna connect and we need to do something. So a bunch of churches agreed to take an offering that Sunday. Or the next Sunday, and I was feeling pretty good about myself. I'm I'm sitting in the I'm I'm on my king size bed in the Valley Forge Hilton Hotel, feeling pretty good, patting myself on the back. You know, I called all my chips in. We got this thing going. We got a barge that's going to be leaving Miami. We're going to be shipping truckloads of goods there. I mean, we this baby's cooking. And I'm sitting there, and I get one of those Holy Spirit taps. Do you ever get a Holy Spirit tap? I think a Holy Spirit tap is better than a Holy Spirit jolt, if you personally speaking. I've had a few jolts. I like the taps better. You know, the jolts are when you didn't obey the taps, right? You know what I'm saying? All right? So you you get one of those, and it is very clear. What are you going to do? Like, me? Like, what do you mean, what am I going to do? Like, I just did it. I mean, look what I just did for you, Jesus. Now, I don't, see, we usually don't, We don't say these things out loud because we know that would be bad, but we're thinking them a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I heard this word, skid loader. Now we lived out in Ligonier at the time. We had a big piece of property. And for years I had saved to buy a skid loader. A skid loader is a tractor. You might they call them bobcats sometimes. And that's a big name brand, you know. Like they call a hot tub a jacuzzi, you know. Uh, so and I had saved and saved and saved. These are these these are expensive pieces of equipment. It's like buying a car, you know. And I loved it. And Penny thought it was a big toy, you know, but I plowed the driveway with it and worked with it and do all these things. And Lord said, I I I want that skid loader. I was like, You want my skid loader? See, I was calling God, I was telling God a lot, I want to grow, I want to go to the next level, I want to be the man, I want to do it. I said, good, let me let me check your treasure out here. Who does that really belong to? Didn't you give testimony about how and how I bought it was supernatural? I got it, I got it when I bought it almost at half price. It was just this, I don't have time to go into that story, but that's pretty much the way we live, you know, and <laughs> supernaturally. And uh so I called Penny, I said, Penny, I want to give the skid loader away. Now, I know what she's going to say, yes, because she'd give everything away. If we went home today, there'd be no furniture now. She'd give it, I mean, it, you know, she's not the most objective person to ask when you're talking about giving things away. Let me just say this. The devil will never tell you to be generous. And listen, in most cases, you don't have to worry about your flesh. Like my flesh did not think, oh, let me find something I really like to give away. Like my my, my most favorite thing in life, not, not, not people, not relationships, my f- most favorite thing was that skid loader. And so we had it shipped, we had a trucking company take it, we took it to Miami, we got it on the barge, and off my skid loader went, and uh, a a few months later I get a call and somebody says, turn on CBS News, and the Marines were there because they had, there was such rioting and stuff because of the medical supplies and food supplies and everything getting in, and there's my skid loader in the background going back and forth, there it is, and I'm I'm waving, you know. (laughs) Yeah, hallelujah. It's was like a hunk of my heart driving, <laughs> driving around. Here's what I'm, listen, you gotta get this. Don't feel bad about yourself when the Holy Spirit moves on you. Don't say, oh, I'm the most selfish person. Or understand there's a heart callous that God wants to break through to free you up so that you can get free in Jesus' name okay? God is going to mess with your treasure. Jesus says where your treasure is, that's where your heart be." Every time your heart makes a move, your treasure is going to make a move first. I believe that. That's how it's worked for us. That's what I see in scripture. And it's important to understand that and walk that out. I didn't say it was easy, by the way. You know, Penny said we've practiced these principles since we were we've married 45 years. I don't think we've ever missed a tithe, given a tithe one time in our whole life. I can tell there were times I went to the gas station with a two-liter empty pot bottle to get gas so I didn't have gas to get to work. We never missed the tithe. We, we gave the first 10%. Most of the times in our life, raising a big family, especially if we'd have waited to give the last 10%, there wouldn't have been a 10% to give. So I just got to the point and said, God, I'm going to give it to you first you You're The only one who can do anything with it anyway. Hallelujah. But here's what I want you to understand. You know, Pastor Nick talked about this being the, 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 the baby offspring of Bridge City Church. But you're sitting here today because there was a core of people who believed these things. You, you know what I'm saying? You're sitting here with, with the Matarazos and the uh, Coellas and uh, the Betadetis and the Paladins and people like this that walk this through. And you know, I was thinking about this this morning in the Youngs. Listen, I was thinking about this this morning. Every one of those people I knew when they went through financial hard times and every one of those couples I just told you about, I saw go through hard times. Every one of those couples I either saw lose a job or go through a a painful transition income-wise, a career decision they were making to get more education or to make every... So what you see, we like to see the end result of things and sometimes we don't want to do the same process that they did. But you're sitting here today because they did what Penny and I did. They did the pop bottles full gas, maybe not literally, but they did that. They they walked that through. Do you understand that? And this church is built on a heritage of people that had little in the beginning who honored God with the first fruits that the Bible calls, calls their tithe. Let me tell you a great story. So, this was in the early 80s, of course, and the, you know, the economy in this area was really rough in the early 80s, and Roy Young, Randy's Randy's dad, some of you didn't know Roy and Maxine, but just tremendous, tremendous people, founding members of this church, and Roy worked with the railroad, had a good job, and that job went away, and he was working several jobs, he was doing everything he could to keep his family going, and he wanted to go into business for himself, he was a mechanic, very good at what he did, and... Uh, there was an opportunity came up, and of course, you know, he didn't have the money, and you know, we didn't have the money, and I and I just got some guys together in the church. I said, listen, Roy needs $25,000, and we were all young couples. That sounded, you know, I might as well have said he needs $2 million. But we all pitched in, it wasn't a gift, it was a loan, and as many guys as could came up with like $1,000, and Roy worked out a payment plan to pay everybody back in whatever way it would, and he, and, he, and he was able to get in and start that business for that, what seems now like a very small amount of money, but that was a big chunk of money then, and he had never been in business for himself before. He was good at what he did, and they launched in, and God blessed that business, and they were crazy generous with the proceeds, and you know, maybe more important than that, I think about those men, young young couples, you know, like Gene and Linda Larson, who were just getting started, you know, they, they were part of that, you know, people like that, uh, that gave to that. They probably led more people to the Lord in the office of that building. There was probably not a week that went by that I didn't get a call pastor, can you come down to the garage? We got a hot one right here, you know. Like, like, like this is above our pay grade. You know, we we need some help here. You know, something's going. I mean, this was like this was like this was the new normal. But I want to tell you something that happened. So I'm looking at our finances, okay, and I see how much money Roy is giving, and it's a crazy amount of money for what he was making. I knew he co- I knew he couldn't be making that much money. You know what I mean? And you say, well, pastors look at that. Well, a good pastor I think should, because the Bible says they know the condition. Of your flock. The first Timothy three gives the qualifications of a pastor. It says he's got to be a steward and he's got to keep his house in order. He's got to keep his finances right. So, so yeah, I looked at it and I saw it. I said, Roy, where's all this money coming from? He said, Well, we're just, you know, we're just so grateful. We're just so thankful. And, you know, God is using us. And I said, Listen, can I just tell you something, Roy? What? This is the only time I've ever said this to anybody. So don't get any ideas. Roy, you're giving too much money. I said, You need to take some of that money and i actually had drawn it out i drew drew it out i said there's some equipment i know you need in your business if you'll invest that money back in your equipment you'll be able to give more than you're giving now it'll be a less percentage and everybody and so so he he, he reluctantly agreed in A great testimony. You got to go to somebody who's so grateful for what God has done in their life that you got to tell them you're giving too much money. Why don't you try to be that person? Test me and see, okay? And I'll, I'll let you know. I, I, you probably won't make it. I'll just share that with you. So don't, 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 don't get frustrated ahead of time. But we're built, we're here today because of people like that that just honored this simple biblical principle of giving the tithe, the tithe means, the word literally means 10, and to give the first 10% right off the top. We've practiced that all our life. I didn't say it was easy, but we always did it, and God always honored it. Now, sometimes people will ask this question, well, isn't that just in the Old Testament? Well, the answer is no. The book of Hebrews was written specifically to deal with what's in the Old Testament and what's in the New Testament. The book of Hebrews tells us uh, basically that the sacrificial law and the ceremonial law has been done away with because it's been filled with, uh, fulfilled in Christ. But the things in the Old Testament are still valid. How about thou shalt not murder? How many believe that's a good rule? Yeah. How about kidnapping? You like that one? All right. So those are, those are in the Old Testament, okay? So it, it's valid. God didn't have a bad hair day and change his mind, say, oh, forget all that stuff. I really didn't mean it. He didn't say that about the tithe, but in the book of Hebrews, in the seventh chapter, it talks about the tithe. Now, I don't have time to go through the whole thing, but just this one verse, you get your thinking. In this case, speaking of now, when he was writing Mortal men receive the tithes. In other words, we're bringing them into the church. But in that case, one receives them. He's speaking of Christ, actually Melchizedek in Psalm 110, of whom it is witnessed that he lives on. Okay? So the tithe actually didn't... See, when people say, well, that's just in the Old Testament, actually, they're wrong. Because the tithe was 400 years before Moses. It was in Abraham's tithe that Abraham started... The principle of tithing that we see in Galatians 3.29 tells us that that blessing and that opportunity is available to us. People say, "Well, well, Pastor Keith, what about grace? Where does grace come in here? I'm glad you asked me that question. What is your grace paradigm? Do you believe that grace is divine slack or divine empowerment? Do you believe grace is the license to do less or the power to do more? And see, I I say that because I hear grace teaching that is not biblical. It's a misrepresentation. That's why I wrote that book sitting on the thing called The Seduction of Grace, because there's been a misrepresentation to many people what grace relates. When you were saved by grace, God gave you the power to deliver you from sin, not to wallow in your sin. Okay, so grace is divine empowerment. We have to understand that. Now, what's interesting, in 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9, those are two chapters that have nothing to do except the, uh, the thing of finance. And there's eight incredible life-changing principles that I can find in those 39 verses. But he starts out in 2 Corinthians 8.1. Look what he says here. 2 Corinthians 8.1. Now, brothers and sisters, we want to make known to you the grace of God which has been given to the churches of Macedonia. Now what he's asking for is an offering for the other church in Jerusalem which is going through hard times. Do you know who the poorest people without question were in New Testament times? Guess who? The Macedonians. So Paul plucks them out and uses them as an illustration. What did he say enabled them to give? The grace of God. Grace empowers you to be a giver. Grace is not meant for you to be selfish. Grace is not a license for you to do what you want to do. Grace is the power to obey God's law, not to do whatever you want to do, okay? And that will come with money, okay? We had the grace of God. That's what was on us. Yeah, there was some determination. There was some sanctification. We were definitely intentional, but it was God's grace that saw us through. So many times, like we put our tie check in that in that offering, and it was like, Lord, I hope noodles show up somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, like we're all in. Like we're 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 trusting. I'm not telling you this is easy, but I'm telling you, Hallelujah! It's been so rewarding. It's been so fun to watch the Lord. Now look at verse seven in this same chapter. Since you excel in so many ways, people say, well, what about other things? Well, here's his answer. In your faith, in your gifted speakers, in your knowledge, in your enthusiasm, and in your love from us, I want you also to excel in this gracious act of giving. Actually, if you read through those 39 verses, the word grace or graciousness comes up seven times talking about giving. So grace and giving go together. Giving is probably... I think without question, the number one litmus test in the New Testament of a believer who's been encountered by God. One of the things that should say say about us, if we say that Jesus is Lord of our life and our sins have been forgiven, is that there is a generous spirit in us, even if we may not have a lot by worldly standards, we still get to give, we still get to participate. That's so important. As a matter of fact, one of the things I love about the doctrine of the tithe, quite simply, is this. It makes us all equal. The one who gives a little that's 10% is equal to the one who gives a lot is at 10%. And I know when I was a pastor, and we would be making big financial decisions, even sometimes out-time the elders, I would, like if we are gonna buy a big piece of property or we are gonna do something or, or be, do a big mission thrust or sometimes add a person to staff, sometimes i just get some of our most committed believers together in that room. And it was interesting to me, I remember sitting around there one day, I said, I got a widow, I got a single mother, I got a doctor, I got a businessman. They all are on equal footing because they're all obeying the same command. They're all doing exactly what God asked them to do. They could never compete in volume, but they were all there on obedience. This is the great equalizing factor in the kingdom. It's not like the government that taxes you for your prosperity and makes you pay more. Okay, It's like everybody is on the same plane here, and we've got to understand that. So let's look at Malachi uh, 3.8. Okay, let's. I, I promise you, I'd, I'd go through a couple of these verses because I want you to have revelation because sometimes we're doing the right thing and we're not really mixing faith with it. And I would encourage you when you give your tithe, You should be like speaking a blessing over that. Lord, thank you. I'm casting this seed. I'm putting this seed in the ground. I'm putting a treasure in heaven. And I'm trusting you for all my sustenance. I'm trusting you to have more than enough. I'm trusting you to be able to, this just to be the first fruits. Actually, that's, that's what the tithe is. It was the first fruits. In the Old Testament, when they gleaned their fields, they would take their first crop and they would do a wave offering. To the Lord. They would take their wheat or their barley or their oats and they would wave it before the Lord. You know what that was? That was like, God, this is yours, and whatever else you want, you let me know. See, when you become a tither in your heart, what you're doing is you're opening up the doors of your heart and you're saying, God, this all belongs to you. And so, tithing is just the beginning of giving. It's just, you're just getting your toe in the water. And I'll, I'll just warn you ahead of time once you become a committed tither, it's going to get contagious in your life. You're going to become more and more generous. You're going to become increasingly more generous. Uh, And I can tell you without giving you details, we blew by the tithe many, many years ago. Not because we have a lot of money, but because God has shown himself alive in our life, okay? Malachi 3.8. Now look, serious words here. Think Think how strong these words are that God is saying to his people. Are you his people? Are you, are you, you one of his peeps, are you? Okay, well, then he's talking to you, right? Would anyone rob God, yet you are robbing me? I'm gonna stop right here. What does it mean to rob? It means to take something that is not yours and use it for your own good to take something when you when you hear about these people robbing people and and you know some of the shenanigans I'm not talking about stickups I'm not about white collar crime there's always this just the justifications are never ending aren't they well I needed it this happened that happened you know let's let's face it you and I both know that we are capable of justifying a lot of stuff amen And the Bible gives us parameters to save us from ourselves. Remember that verse we read in in 1 Timothy 6.10? He said, and by this they have caused many pains and griefs to themselves. How do they do that? By justifying our actions that are unbiblical, even though they're natural. Let me give you a hint. God doesn't want us just being natural. He wants us being supernatural, okay? Would anyone rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? Here's his answer in tithes and offerings. Now, I don't think that most believers who don't tie think, oh, I'm going to rob God today. I don't think it's a conscious effort to do that. But nonetheless, that's literally what's happening. They're taking away something God has put in their power to do, to respond, a very obvious, factual response they can have led by the Lord. Okay? See, I believe God gave me my breath. I believe he gave me my wisdom. I believe he gave me my strength. I don't believe any of it's mine. And we sing songs about that. But now God's saying, here's what you get to do. You get to write the right to check. You know, somebody came to one of our elders when I was at Living Hope and we were having a big mission thrust and they said, uh, oh, we, you know, you know, is this one of those churches that, you know, they're just after your money. He said, "Oh no, it's way worse than that. We're after your whole life." <laughs> The money's the tip of the iceberg. So if this makes you nervous, I'm just telling Pastor, this is not a church growth message. But if this, if this message makes you nervous, oh, honey, you better get used to it because there's a lot more where this comes from. Pretty soon you better get your passport. We're gonna have you out in some other nation somewhere, all right? All right. That's what's coming. That's what's next on your docket. <laughs> How many people have been to another nation? Look around the room. Is this incredible? Look at the people in this room, average whatever that is, normal people just like you, who saved their money and went to serve somebody else, and it all started when they started fooling around with this tie thing and fell in the water. Hallelujah, Hallelujah! Got stretched, got got exploded by the Holy Spirit. Now let's go, go to the next verse here. Okay, verse nine: You are cursed with the curse for you're robbing me, the entire nation of you. you. Say, wait, you mean God is God is like? Cursing me? No, you're cursing yourself. You remember that rule of thermodynamics that things, you know, they degenerate, they don't regenerate, right? That's the natural law. When you become a tither, I believe it opens up a supernatural access. He says in the next verse, it'll open the windows of heaven. Does that mean that you don't ever have any financial setbacks? Does that mean that your car never breaks down? I'm not saying that. But what I am saying that what we have witnessed in our life, not once, not twice, but the way we've learned to live supernaturally is we put God first with anything that has our name on it. If it goes through, now I'm religious about it. I'll just tell you without apology. If it goes through my hand, I tithe on it. If I get a birthday gift, I tithe on it. Say, people, you're really in, I'm really into it. I'll just tell you. If I sell a piece of property and it's a big chunk, then, you know, I don't just tithe on the little stuff, okay? But I'm I'm just all in. But I believe that God opens up the windows. There is an element where we can live, where those the shoes on our feet do not wear out, but there is a supernatural stressing. I mean, I could, I could just write a book about stories and testimonies and interventions, not because I'm a preacher. Not because I got up and told a story and somebody felt sorry for me and gave me some money or some of that craziness. We don't do that. Okay, that's manipulation. We don't that's not how we do church. Okay. T- I, I told this story in the first service. So we were, you know, I, I, I left I left Bridge City Church when I was a senior pastor. Church was doing great, but a door opened up in the pro life movement with Operation Rescue, and the Lord just spoke to me and said, This is a small door, step in it, it's gonna be significant. And we gave up everything. We gave up our saddle, we gave up our house, we gave up and said, like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna throw ourselves to us. And it was a wild ride. And we trusted God and somehow we came out on the other end. I don't even know how I don't even know how it worked. I, I can't even explain it to you. So we were moving back from Florida and uh, you know, we wanted to buy a piece of property, we wanted to get out, maybe have a little, you know, because we had we were having kids and so i found this we were looking and looking and looking i was looking for like a year and i had an agent involved and all this kind of stuff we were doing and uh i found this property that i really liked but it was out of our price range aren't they always in that isn't that how funny how that works why is that why don't they just like take, take tell this is what i'll give you for it? that don't work that way all right and uh I, so I was talking to my agent and she said, you know, have you found anything? I said, oh yeah, I found this property on my own. You know, the owner's selling it. And I described the property. She goes, oh, I know that property. She said, don't ever deal with that lady. She's like not good business people to deal with. And I found out later that was the truth. But anyway, uh, she said, she said, she'll never list that property. The next day, the agent calls her and says, you are not going to believe what happened. What happened? You know that property? She called me and listed the property. And then the reason I know she's a bad person, because we ended up buying the property, and for about two years, I had people knocking on my door looking for her. <laughs> you know, wh- you know. so I escaped that one. Are you with me? We got, they wanted $300,000 for the property, which was a lot of money for us, and we got it for $200,000, which was a lot less, but still more money than I had, let me just tell you, all right? This is 1995. That, that's a lot less money today than it was then. And, uh, but to make the deal work, there was a guy, a friend of mine, who said, I'll give you $10,000 and I'll buy that one little chunk on the corner. I said, I don't care about the little chunk on the corner. And that that $10,000 was like the make it or break it of making this thing work. And right before the thing happened, he bailed on me. I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. And the Lord encouraged me. And only said, don't worry, you know, like, you'll get through this is like i'm in this like i'm going to bless you i sold that property actually a smaller piece than that for $40,000 and here's what happened when the guy did the survey to take that acre out, he went ahead and did this whole like plot plan, I didn't even ask him to do it, of all this other stuff. And when the neighbor next to me saw them drilling a well and realized I sold the property, he came running over, and his family were, I will call them, environmental enthusiasts. Okay, that's a nice way to say it. And he thought when he saw those plots that I was gonna sell a of property. And I told him, I said, no, he said, if I give you this much money, Will you sell me that property? I said, yes. Do you know what I ended up doing? I ended up selling. I started with 38 acres. I was down to 25. It paid for everything. Hallelujah. That's the windows of heaven. That's not because I was a preacher. Are you with me? That was super That lady had tried dividing that property. She had tried selling it to the same neighbors who wouldn't buy it. And all of a sudden, they were giving me more money than it was worth, quite frankly. But they insisted, so I took it. Hallelujah amen i'm just telling that's one those are these are big juicy stories i tell some smaller ones in the book but it's it's just believing god believing god and the peace and the joy that comes from knowing i'm really doing this i'm really putting my life in your hands lord and then he goes to the next verse okay let's let's look at that bring the whole tithe you don't divide your tithe you don't send a part here you don't send a part there You bring your whole tithe into the storehouse. I believe that's the local church. I don't know what else it could be. I think every biblical scholar agrees with that. So there will be food in my house, and put me to test now in this, says the Lord of armies. If I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out you a blessing that overflows. Let me ask you a kind of a prophetic question this morning. You're sitting here today literally because there were a group of people most of them very young, just starting their careers, who were living on the margin, who, who bought this. Not because I taught it, because it was in the Scripture, and they saw us living it. You're sitting here today because of that. Forty years from now, is somebody going to be sitting here because of you? Because that gal, that guy, that single mom, that business guy, That college student, that widow, that young couple, they honored God, they trusted God, they were a testimony. And we're not only here because of what they gave that paid the way for us, we're here because of their example that that God is supernatural and wants to invade our lives. Listen to me. The work that God wants to do in your life is supernatural. He's not giving you humanistic remodeling concepts, okay? The work that God has called us as a local church to do, to affect this region, to resurrect the, the Mon Valley. I mean, let's just go for it, right? I mean, is that where you're at? Hello? Can I get an amen? I, do, do, do you think there's any part of the Mon Valley God's not interested in? And let's get beyond that. We'll do Westmore and Connie, too. No problem there. We'll do that. All right. Amen. It's in It's in for the taking. It's bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Are they going to say, you know, there was this group of people, they were meeting on the second floor in, a, in an office building, they didn't even have their own building, and half the church was running around the world going to other nations, carrying on like it really mattered, and they were giving and supporting people and doing things. I mean, I'm telling you if, if you, just the money you guys have given to Ukraine, if you could see what I see. was on the phone with these guys this week. If you could just see what I see and what they're doing in the middle of complete and utter disaster and chaos. Man, it's amazing. You're a part of that. Your name is in it. Our legacy is in that. That's our history. You know, that's why we're here. That's what we've done for 41 years. Hallelujah. Because people just trusted God and believed he would open the windows of heaven. Don't waste that legacy. Now listen, I'm going to end in a second here. Just stay with me. There's two ways to respond to a message like this. Number one, if you're not there and you're not practicing the simple principle of tithing, you can really back up and say, that's a hard thing. Or you can take a step forward and say, that's a hard thing. And I need the grace of God. God, I need to test you. God's inviting you to test him. So don't pull back. Just lean in. Just just lean in. Okay? We all have our different testimonies. We all have our different challenges. But do not make the mistake of thinking that somebody like me that is teaching these things has not experienced what you have. I probably have experienced them all okay? I know what it's like to look in an empty refrigerator. I know what it's like. I remember one time I was going somewhere, I had to stop and get gas, I had to give the guy my spare tire. I mean, we were married, you know, we were we, I mean, I I said to the guy, I said, it was a brand, it it still had the blue on it, so you knew it was new, you know? I I said, I promise I will come back, if you can give me $20 worth of gas, I promise I'll come back and buy my tire back off of you. But I wasn't going to miss my tithe. Okay? I wasn't going to do it because I trusted God, it wasn't a matter of trusting me, of really putting God first. I'm telling you, there's such a breakthrough in the heart. There's such a breakthrough in the heart of radical, radical trusting, that the God that you're depending on that has saved you by grace is the same God that really cares about you. Does He think? Do you think he doesn't care? Matthew 6, that same chapter that I read from, The beginning of the chapter, don't you think, or actually not the beginning, but right in there, says, you know what? The birds of the air cannot fall to the ground without your father's notice. Don't worry about it. You know what our greatest gift of God is? It's just our obedience. Just our obedience. I want you to stand up with me this morning. And I trust you heard this message and the passion, I'm sure you can sense this in my heart, because I've seen so many lives revolutionized. I've also seen people that have just said, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't go there. I can't go there. Let the Lord take you there. Even this morning, I just I just challenge you just to lean in and say, God, I want to be part of that army He's talking about. Okay? On the way out the door this morning there's a little called card when I was getting ready for this I had in my notes this thing I made up years ago it's called the poverty list The Bible teaches that poverty is a spirit you know you can have money in your pocket and still have a poverty spirit Deuteronomy 28 talks about a poverty spirit but I just got 14 things I put on this list that are just reflection from years of leading people and being in pastoral ministry. And I'd encourage you to pick one up and look at it and say, Lord, is there anything on there you want to do a work in my life with, okay? Just maybe a challenge. Some of you, you know, you say, I'm in, I'm a tither. I'm, you know, but maybe, maybe there's another level. Maybe there's a skid loader in your future. <laughs> now, I'm not listening to that guy anymore. <laughs> You know what? I rejoice over it. You know, you know, that impacted my kids. When they when they saw me do that, they were like, oh my goodness. My boys today are all in business. And their businesses are flourishing. And they are crazy givers. I mean, they blew by the tithe long ago when they were in their twenties. Are you with me? Hallelujah. And they tell the skid loader story because they knew how important that was, you know? Also, they knew they, they, they'd have to rake and shovel more once the skid loader was gone, but that's that's another story. But pick this up and just maybe stick it in your Bible, pray over it, maybe there's something here that will really speak to your heart, okay? I won't be here 40 years from now, probably not. I'd be over 100. That would be a cruel thing. <laughs> But some of you will be. And some of your legacy will be here. Probably won't be in this building. We might own the city, but we won't be in this building. Amen. I want you to lean into God. Not because we we don't need money. Your money wouldn't make a difference except to you. Are you hearing me? That's who it's going to make a difference to. Just lean in with me this morning. I'm going to pray with you. Lift up your hands. Don't pull back. Don't pull back. Say, Lord, help me. If if I rubbed you the wrong way, let the Holy Spirit help you this morning, okay? Honestly. I understand this can be challenging. I I understand the seriousness of, of, of what I'm talking about. I've been there, okay? But just lean in. Just lean in this morning. Father, I pray for that grace that was on the Macedonian church, that grace that's available to us, that grace that literally changed the world. That there was this group of people that were so excited about what you did in their life. They wanted to do something for somebody else. Lord, thank you for this direct challenge. We don't have to guess what we should do with our money. You told us clearly. Here's where to start. My tithe check is sitting on my desk. Penny's with me today, so, you know, I'm, I'm gone a lot. But my tithe check is sitting on my desk. It's the first check I write it every month. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, I speak a blessing. I speak a blessing. I speak a blessing over these people in this room today. God, I speak a blessing over the people that have much seed cast out on many waters, God, that that would return. God, the windows of heaven that need to open would pop open this morning, God, in the name of Jesus. Supernatural supply, Lord. God, I pray for favor for people that need increased employment opportunities, God. God, I pray for men and women that have business ideas that are brewing in their spirit, God, that you would give them direction on how to do that. God, I pray for people that are being tempted to let money lead them and guide them and roll over them, God, that they would see how jealous you are to have their whole heart, Lord. God, that we would not rob you. We'd not take what really belongs to you and use it the way we want to do it. Help us, God. Help us, Lord. Help us. Thank you for grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. honor the gift that Pastor Keith and Penny are.